Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sick Forgiveness Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like you to know that we're nearly ready to publish the Sick Forgiveness book entitled Mental Health Kihon It's a transformative translation guide put together by a dedicated group of volunteers aimed at explaining common mental health issues that people face and it's completely translated into Punjabi as a way of bridging the gaps that mental health provisions have historically not been able to help within the UK. It's going to be ready soon and it will be available as an ebook or as a hard copy on Amazon. In today's podcast, I speak to artist, activist, and film director and producer, Aaron Kapoor. You can find Aaron's award-winning work on his YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Aaron discusses his ways of tackling mental health from a personal perspective, his personal experiences of poor mental health during and following his education, and he also spends time with me discussing his plans on completing a long-distance walk for charity. There were some technical issues with the recording on this audio, so we do apologise for the quality, but we hope you enjoy it. So, Aaron, introduce yourself a little bit, please. Like, who are you and, and what are you all about? Who am I? So, good to meet you all. Thank you, Jazz. Um, so, my name's Aaron Kapoor. I'm a um, poet from Wolverhampton, um, as well as a mental health advocate. And what I do with my poetry is I also sort of express it um, to create visuals, which I do with my filmmaking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole main aim of what I'm about is I'm trying to do my best to sort of bring enlightenment to the world. Um, not so much preaching as such, but to sort of show that there is beauty in everything. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I do this through my poetry and my filmmaking. And the, the main aspect of all this is to sort of be able to, for each of us to channel what's going on on the inside that we don't necessarily see because mm-hmm. of um, maybe our particular lifestyles or the way that we operate. And, um, and and for me, it's it's all part of my journey to help not just discover myself, but to help other people discover themselves. I think that um, that we can very easily get sort of lost in transition with what's going on in our regular routines, and it could be the smallest of things possible. But if we are able to, of course, make that little bit, even just one percent of time in our day to make for ourselves, we'll find that, that there is something of substance that can help us. Maybe not so much there and then, but it helps in the long run. Like a small example of me going for walks during the current pandemic. Um, I, was, I started off sort of just locally, maybe 10, 15 minutes one way and back. And at the point where I am now, I'm able to do at least 10 miles a day um, d- during in which that time I've also done a bit of my own work, whether it's writing or photography, filmmaking or catching up on um, administration from, uh, from other stuff and just being able to look after my own self. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, can you tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about how you've gone through this, uh, you know how you came up with the idea of, of going for the walks and um what sort of spurred you on to do that yeah sure of course so um uh so before everything happened i was working in films as either like a background artist or as a crew member and a lot of people who who when they do watch this and are in that same field of work 
they will understand it's very sort of quick paced, fast motion, headless chicken. You know, you you if you're in the crew, you got um, earpiece and you're just listening to orders and you're running around. Um, so you don't really have sort of time for yourself, so to speak, and you're working at least twelve hours of a day, guaranteed, which doesn't include the travel part. Yeah. And so I said, you don't have time for yourself. So, and when you do the background stuff, it's a little bit more slower. You have time for yourself, but you're not able to sort of focus on what's important to you because you're obviously in a job. Mm. And so what um, inspired all for me to walk was being furloughed from my normal job at the cinema in Wolverhampton called The Lighthouse and being at home, basically being homebound and finding that I have got all the time in the world for myself. And I ha- I'm openly admitting I'm quite a restless character. I'm very much the person that I need to do something. I, I, the only time I'm sitting down is when I'm eating or if I'm or rest, resting or sleeping. In between that time, I have to do something either proactive or something for myself. So now I'm in a position where I have something to, and I have time. I have all the time in the world and so forth. Why don't I just pick up some form of exercise? Why don't I pick up some form of mental training, so to speak? And I found that doing the walking, it just was sort of a, a small idea at first that, okay, I'm just to pass time, so to speak. It eventually became beyond passing time. It actually sort of became a catalyst for not just uh, my own mental health and physical strength, but also my creativity. And I found myself being a lot more naturally positive in, any, in anything, in how I sort of looked at things. So, um, I mean, I've always been quite an optimistic person. Um, but there were obviously little niggles of sort of going towards pessimism um, in how I sort of, in, sort of operated, interpreted things on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. This is just in the past year or so. And I found doing this uh, gradually got me back to this place that I was pre- like a long time ago previously. And, um, and it, like I say, it took me to a place that I was maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, but obviously, with the um, sort of the lifestyle of becoming an adult and responsibilities and yeah. etc., it sort yeah. of took it took that joy away from me without me actually realizing. And I've rediscovered it. It's actually, it's been there the whole time. Yeah. But I've sort of been neg- negligent to actually um, taking it on board, so to speak. Okay, so so shutdown and sort of furlough has been beneficial for you in that you've been able to challenge channel your energies into into rediscovering yourself and rediscovering parts of who you are bits that have gone missing or bits that have been buried due to work and so on and so forth yeah and i like i said i wouldn't have discovered that if say none of this have happened maybe it would be that i'd be in the same position of um for example getting up at 3 4 a.m to go drive to a job that's two hours away Mm. work for 12 hours so to speak then come back and a lot of that included um, eating at irregular times, sleeping at irregular times. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it would be that I'd finish one job, I'd eat at 11 p.m. And then I'd actually be up at 4 a.m. So I'd have, yeah, I've just literally eaten at 11 p.m., gone straight to bed. Yeah. I've made no time from, I've had no self-care time. I've got up at that time, gone to work, um, which, like I say, could be anywhere. It could be local. But the point is that there's been no sort of window gap for me to make me time, which I learned, I've learned more than ever now yeah. is very, very key for 
for spaces that you, inside you that you didn't even know were available. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What, what do you mean, like, um, or can you give us an example of yourself where you found one of these spaces within yourself and you thought, ah, you know, is this something that you could be able to share with us? Of course. Yeah. So, for example, um, as I said previously, sometimes finishing work at 11 p.m., being up at four mm-hmm. and then going to work the whole day. There's no space there. Now it's a routine of maybe go to bed around 11, midnight. But I will, I will have a solid eight hours sleep and I'll be up at like eight, nine um, a.m. And I know I've had um, less um, interrupted sleeps, mm. which I've been monitoring. Mm. And I found myself getting up in a, in a much more sort of relaxed sort of routine of things. I'm, I'm able to actually think. I'm actually able to listen to what my brain is actually telling me now. Yeah. Rather than sort of my brain is telling me a million different things all at once and I'm not, I'm not ignoring it. I'm not able to um, compute it. Whereas now, if say I do have an intricate thought or I have something going on in my own position where I am now, I'm able to speak to it, speak to myself, so to speak. I'm able to make that the space is there for me to have a conversation with myself, mm-hmm. whether it's something that I need to improve on, whether I've done something wrong, whether I've done something right, um, or just a general conversation. Right. Okay. Like I've gone for, like I said, I've gone for a walk in the morning, for example, I will maybe evaluate, say it's a, say it's a Monday morning, for example, and I've had a, a weekend with my family or, or I've had a weekend to myself. Mm-hmm. I will be able to, on that walk, make that time where I can have a conversation with myself mm-hmm. and just check in with myself, so to speak. The main thing is I'm able to check in with myself now yeah. because I've given myself that space See, uh, I'm listening to what you're saying, and a lot of this uh, follows a track of sort of mindfulness principles, where the idea is to sort of slow down and focus on things that are mundane, but it, it allows you to then actually check in with other things that are going on for yourself. So the idea of uh, like going for a walk and being, you know, tasking yourself with something that's quite, it's quite just, I don't know how to put it, it's just a repetitive act, isn't it? Putting one step in front of another but you're walking, I mean, you're doing it with a purpose in mind, which is, I mean, for yourself, you were talking earlier on about um, training yourself up to get to a certain point because you want to be comfortable walking a certain distance for your own goals, um, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, But like just that act of doing that frees your mind up to go and explore other things. And, And that is sort of one of the central tenets of mindfulness. I think it gets forgotten a lot in sort of mental health advocacy and mental health work, um, what the actual purpose of it is. And the actual purpose of those things is focus on something mundane so that you can actually um, free your brain up to do, the, to do the work. It's like that process that's going on in the background. But you're saying that you're using that as an opportunity to check in with your body and check in with your spaces uh, within your mind. And, and sort of you found all these different places that you can go to. I find that interesting and fascinating actually is a good case study of sort of how someone should use a mindfulness task you know so and it's it's funny that you said the whole um the whole robust routine thing is i i realized that i did have a routine before yeah. of say per se mundane task example because mm-hmm. it was very much routine what i was doing but i wasn't able to practice mindfulness because i didn't have that space available yeah. there was no time for me to kind of computer right 
I am, do, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing this repetitively. Mm. But there is no free space for me to take away what is happening, what's happened, and, like I said, have that conversation with myself mm. and look at what I've achieved, what I've not achieved, what I'm feeling, how I'm thinking. Yeah. I didn't have that before. It was just sort of like a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of mundane tasks, whereas this is sort of a, this is a nice steady train. A few mm. bumps along the way, but it's okay. The train's gonna. St- the train will stop. At st- will stop eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So, with regards to your, with regards to your walking, you mentioned earlier on before before we sort of started recording that you you have a goal in mind for your walk. And what, what's yes. going on? What's going on for that? So, so what's going on? What's going on? So the the idea, um, if uh, if it all gets in place is I want to be able to walk from Wolverhampton to Birmingham, specifically sort of around this medic area. It, right. in, in, obviously, in accordance to the guidelines and safety, and that there isn't a lockdown, obviously, within um, Wolverhampton or Smedic, because obviously that will put a halt to it. But the main idea is to walk between these two locations is because my family live in Smedic, right. um, specifically my grandfather and grandmother uh-huh. and my uncle cousins. And, um, and I've always said to them, one day I am going to walk to your house. Um, my grandfather used in previous generations, did a lot of walking. Um, and that's always been an inspiration for me. It, it showed an element, an aspect of his character, mm. of, of previous generations, of the characteristics that they had. Um, that obviously they were very sort of strong within, in the, in, in the aspect of they want to do something, they will do it. And yeah. it may be that they do it to achieve their goal by themselves. And I said that I want to prove I have not just, I have the mental strength to do this and the physical strength, but to, to sort of show myself in a long run uh, that I can achieve this. I've said this so many, I have said this for a long time that I'm going to do this. So sort of put my money where my mouth is and say, yes, I am going to do this. And in between sort of build a story there. Cause I get, I just turn up at my grandmother's house and I'm like, I'm here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. And a lot, and the, the few up. people, and the few people I've told, including yourself, not a lot of people know, I'm, I'm planning to do this for like a charitable organization, mm-hmm. um, have said, oh, it's, it's you, you basically might as well be um, walking a marathon and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't even take into consideration how long it could be. I just said, I'm going to do it. Yeah. When I figured out that it's 16 miles one way, at least 16 miles back. So, um, and I'm, and I'm planning to not do it with a, uh, a lift. Cause I don't want to put anybody out of, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to be that person that says, right guys, I've, I've walked, I've walked this much. I'm stuck in the <laughs> middle of the West Midlands. I don't want to jump on a bus. I don't want to jump on a train. I need you to come get me, but don't say nothing. Let's, I will leave my, um, I, w- I will apologize afterwards. But no, but like when, when, you, when you achieve any, when you achieve something that's purposely for you, you do it yourself. Yeah. You, you can have, you know, you have an aid mentally, spiritually, a couple mm. of encouraging, a bit of encouragement, of course. Mm. But when you are doing something of that magnitude, it could be anything. You are doing that yourself. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, it's about achievement of a goal. You know, you've set yourself a task and you've broken it down into bite-sized chunks. Like, for example, you understand you've got your 32 miles 
you're breaking it down to 16 miles each way and then okay can i maintain that can i walk that let's build up to the fact that i can actually walk that this is you know this yeah. is perfect this is absolutely perfect and yes it and the way i've looked at it as well is that if say there's a stumbling because life has many stumbling blocks of course yeah. that it doesn't happen that i'm not able to do the walk due to whatever reasons mm. um i've still got i've got a track of how much walking i've done anyway throughout the lockdown so it could be that if it doesn't happen as soon as i want it to in september or october yeah i will document it at the towards the end of the year of my own story um yeah. to try and sort of enlighten myself and help others that i have actually throughout this year whatever's going on mm-hmm. this is how much i walked like i think if i worked out last month i walked 300 miles right okay and that that like i said that was just i just looked at that and said did i do you know did i achieve this yeah. i never thought i could achieve something like this and it goes back to the point that i think with many um, sort of variables in place if you want to do something mm. you you can do it mm. like, like i said there are obstacles and variables in place that may stumble you along the way yeah yeah but you can do it like look this me saying so ever so easily right now i've done 300 miles that's taken longer than this year you know that's taken years and years and years of build up to get there yeah like i'll go i will go into a previous story of where my journey started which or which may make some sense of why I'm, like i said why i'm here right now so to speak please, yeah please do please please go ahead so um so i'm a i'm a british born punjabi sikh man mm-hmm. um and uh but like many of my age previous generations uh i have not fallen short of having to deal with sort of i will quote sort of toxic mentalities and masculinities within um the plural punjabi communities yeah and i i had a um quite a bit uh i had a, i was suffered from bullying during my secondary school years mm. and i was told quite a lot that i couldn't achieve anything because um i, I was very truth spoken i was the way i was i was very much sort of you know love of life freedom mm-hmm. there is ev- ev- equality in everything there is sort of no no this is better than this and this is better than that yeah um i have more this you know everybody everybody walks the same path everybody's equal everyone bleeds the same mm-hmm. and uh i wasn't sort of your typical uh punjabi guy or desi if you want to call it yeah mm-hmm. it was very much who i was which is fine yeah and because i was building to be more outspoken it was very much seen as sort of a a uh, negative to speak about how you how you feel right. as a punjabi man or desi man mm-hmm. and obviously because i was being bullied throughout the period of my secondary school years and to a point where it was quite overbearing that i wouldn't be able to achieve anything um right. and when i would tell when i would tell people for example within my communities not yeah. including my own family because i my family have been there and I have big respect to them but when i was sort of would reach out because you're at that age when you're like you know 16 something you don't necessarily want to go to your family mm. you but not every, i can't speak on behalf of everybody but i would say that i didn't want to go speak to my family because i didn't want to put them out so to speak mm-hmm. i didn't want to worry them yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, and i thought maybe they wouldn't listen anyway but that's my own uh, that's my own downfall and so when i would reach out it was very much a sort of suck it up quote suck it up you're a man uh you you don't need to be feminine you don't you don't need to speak about how you feel right. you don't 
we don't uh, speak about these things as such. Yeah. And, and this, this was in your peer group. This was in your friendship group. And, and these were, in, yeah, to believe, believe it or not, this at some point was in the peer group that I had at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so the, the support network was, so, it wasn't there. I, yeah. I, I, so obviously in between that time, I've done sort of things in peer pressure to feel like I'm part of the peer group, mm. whether it could be, you know, open, open admit it. It could be drinking, smoking, um, uh, not exactly going to school at a certain time. Yeah. Um, skipping, skipping classes, which was very much out of my own character. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was still doing it because I wanted to be part of that peer group. Of, I thought if I can't speak about how I feel, maybe yeah. I can include how I feel by partaking in um, peer pressures, uh, which obviously eventually I learned down the line that I was very much in not just a dark place for myself. I was in the area of other people in that dark space. Right. And the, the mentality that my peer groups had was dangerous. And I thought, and as I've got older, I've tried to, I've understood it now that it wasn't necessarily them, their thinking process. It's what's been taught to them. Right. It's what's been passed on to them yep. that, you know, um, that you as a Punjabi male, you are not able to speak about how you feel with an open space, with an open mind, right. without some sort of rejection or judgment, so to speak. Yeah. And um, I sort of grew up in that space um, during secondary school. And when I went to university, it was the, now this is the point, it was the complete opposite. I had a complete different peer group that was, like I said, the complete opposite of that. Now this was just sort of freedom, freedom, so to speak, but it wasn't the freedom of, I'm going to speak about how I feel, etc. It was the freedom of, I could be myself, mm. but it was um, me sort of not, I was so in, a, I was in a position where I was like, so elated that I could actually be myself. Again, you get carried away and throughout, you know, three years later graduated and then, um, got to well, whatever age I graduated I forgot now yeah. uh 21 so that's it sorry and I remember having my first breakdown like actual physical complete meltdown I've graduated a few yeah. days later that's it it's done and I've and I've there for weeks and weeks and months and years trying to figure out what's going on what's happened uh-huh. and it came to a point where I said that um when I was in university I had not dealt with what I was, what had happened in secondary school, because mm. I was now in a space that, which I thought was free, but it was more of a space that everybody else was in the same circle. No one wanted to deal with what had happened perhaps before they got to university. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this was almost like a, you know, here's a key to the door, open the door and take whatever's there. Yeah. But you forgot that you haven't, but you forgot you haven't closed the door behind you. Yeah. So anything, any that 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 door's open. Anything can pop out anytime. Right. Okay. And it only took me till sort of like recently that right, I had to go back and check in on those doors, check on and lock them, and make sure that they're locked. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is coming back out. That any when I, if I do open the room, it's gone. Metaphorically speaking, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And uh, 
not not to uh, waffle on too much. It's um, I found that as I've got older, I was much more open-minded, much more freedom uh, speaker. But mm. being out, but in a space where I was able to um, do it without feeling guilty, and I think yeah. that was the main thing as I've learned now. And the reason that I said it relates to me just doing something simple. I say simple; it's not simple, but doing something like walking this amount was mm. that I was at a point where. I was being picked on and I was being treated the way I was for whatever reason it is. Um, and being made to feel that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just to be, just made that even breathing at one point was like, Oh, you shouldn't do this. Or if you want to achieve something, Oh, do it the way we tell you. Yeah. Or, you know, so societal and peer pressure. And, uh, yeah, you that, know, yeah. That whole thing about conformity and having to conform to certain standards it can be it can be overwhelming for some people it can be i i can very much um when you were talking about your experiences i could see my own experience or some of my own experiences in that so it's quite difficult to be able to break yeah. free from from that in some ways so it's, it's so so many variables it's like um so so what like that might seem small stuff like um like the whole toxic toxic masculinity thing within Punjabi mm-hmm. communities mm-hmm. was if i didn't drink for example uh, that's it. It's the end of days, so to speak. Oh, you're not a man, etc. Um, it, it would be a point that because I had a friend who was um, uh, he was bisexual and he was he was Indian, yeah. And I knew this, and I always we kept we kept that between us because I was like, the society is not ready for you to say this, and I don't think you are. But your secret's safe with me. You can you're in a safe space with me, and I always remember the peer group at the time making jokes about that and i always remember saying to my friend you don't you don't worry we will get to a point where you are the new norm you're going to be the normality in the future so to speak because obviously there weren't the networks available to be able to speak about these things Mm. and that when we look back on this it will be you're in a comfortable space now unfortunately you had to go for it but then those folks generations of old or then will be able to practice and speak and apologize and not not just apologize but just accept that yeah everything you know we are all we are all walking the same path and we all are in equal deserve equality and acceptance mm-hmm. what did you find um what did you find helped you in your in your journey to sort of get over your you know you called it a breakdown what helped you at that time well, at the get... time, yeah, no, at the time I, I, I told a, um, a loved one um, who I'm very much still in contact with every single day at the moment. They don't know who they are. And uh, also my family, because I mean, a big up to my family. They're very sort of open-minded and they've always put their hand out, so to speak. But it's been me reluctant to put my hand out just because of my own character and mm-hmm. sort of being in the fear of if I am speaking to a Punjabi family. Mm are they going to have the Punjabi mentality? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that could be singular or, or across all plural communities, I mean, all communities, but some, some of them share the same sort of mindset. And I was in fear of, are they going to, are they going to have that? Are they going to have that mindset when I open, when I literally pull my wall down and yeah. I'm there and yeah. I didn't want that. But when it came to that point, I was like, I didn't need to worry. I realized there. And then I was like, I was very much in a safe space. Yeah time and that sort of kick-started me I got some support um, 
from, um, I think it was Healthy Minds in Wolverhampton. Yes, right. that's it. Healthy Minds in Wolverhampton. Yeah. Um, a few counselling sessions. And from, I'll be honest, after a few months or two, I let go of it because I found that it was helping me, but not the way I thought I needed to be helped. I, I said, I need to do, I need to take time for me. Yeah. Not to say, not to say everybody's different. I'm not, I'm not here to disencourage people to mm. do that because I'm actually, I'm actually now back to do counseling sessions with them again. So it's a whole circle. Right. Okay. But yeah. at, the t- at the time I knew that I needed to make more time for mm. me on an individual basis to mm-hmm. kind of analyze, if you will, what yeah. has happened over the past few years. Yeah. I couldn't sit there and I could have sat there and talked about what's happened to them, this person, per se, but because uh, obviously you have only a certain time with them. It's limited. I needed as much time with me as possible to um, break down what has happened. And mm-hmm. so I spent sort of that time prior beyond to learn everything about what had happened and made it my life goal that no, that a smaller percentage of people have to go through this. Right. Like yeah. I made it a life goal that I don't want, you can't stop, you know, can't stop the world, but you can save the world a little bit at a time. And yeah. that I made that my goal. And I made that through me sort of healing um, that I heal myself at the same time mm-hmm. and also give people, help them see that they can do that for themselves as well. Right. Whether they realize it straight away or not, but it's almost like you've planted the seed yeah. and that, that, you know, that tree will grow eventually. It's not going to grow straight away, but it's, it's there. It takes years, but yeah, it, I, like to grow a tree, it takes a long, long time. But yeah, I, I love that metaphor. It's great. I'm an Arsenal supporter, so I know all about growing plants and trees, metaphorically. <laughs> Me too. What are we doing? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm also an Arsenal fan. So... Um, but so that's it's really interesting in that um so you found that sort of counseling although you engaged in it initially it didn't it wasn't really for you and i'm i'm sort of i come from the position that obviously i am i'm a therapist but i take on board and understand that for some people it's not really what they're looking for and you might you might feel as though you need to go in for therapy but and you start and you're like actually this isn't for me right now um but it's it's that it's those two words right now because you, as you've said, you circle back and gone back into therapy. So you're looking to explore stuff about yourself and, and go into an analysis. I assume that you're trying to understand bits and pieces that maybe you haven't been able to, to reach yourself. But for the, for the most part, you've been self-sufficient in what you've been doing. So there's been a lot of internal reflection and working through things by yourself in your own time. And it sounds like you've been doing wonderfully with it. I'm wondering if that's where your where your advocacy comes from. You you have this fire for advocacy, so I'm just wondering is that where that comes from? I I would hundred percent say that's where my my fire for advocacy comes because because like I said, I've been in a position where I was quote helpless unquote. Yeah. Um, I don't want. I will do my absolute best to make sure that smaller percentage of people are in the same field, uh, same position as I am. Mm. And that's not to sugarcoat anything or bubble wrap anything. Of course, you know, you have, like I said, you have obstacles along the way, but it's um, being able to help people feel guided along the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you put people out, the people are out there in the world anyway, with whatever is going on, mm. but you sort of, you give them the extra energy that 
and the extra drive, so to speak, that they have inside already. Yeah. Obviously, you can take in, you can take on board, obviously, sort of physical aspects, mental. Um, that not everybody, everybody is different, but that said, so that energy advocacy comes from within. That mm. that's something you can channel, regardless of all, of, so to speak, all those um, other aspects. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't mean that somebody has to go walk three hundred miles. That it may be that they can't do that. That they um they have something in their life that prevents them from doing that. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that person can still do something to advocate sort of that drive for life and sort of well being of others mm. in their yeah. own form. It could be that they um uh they run an online workshop to support other peers. Yeah. It could be that the so they do it like we I did a walk. It could be that um. They're in, they're in constant contact with certain people to, to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And of course themselves. Yeah. I thought, how, how do you think it affects your art? Cause I know that you, you, you are a poet and a visual artist. Um, I've seen some of your work on YouTube previously, every now and then you, you'll send me a direct message, um, like a new video. Um, and I, I think the last one I saw was the be kind one. Yeah, and that was oh, uh, that was a while back, wasn't it? But it was that yeah, was, yeah. That was the last one I saw, and I remember just watching the, like, as you said, you come from you've got your art house background. I was like, because there was a lot of the the juxtaposition of the colors, the color shots versus the black and whites and things like that. So I, I was looking at that and I was like, oh, that's really that's really interesting. I'm wondering what was your process in doing stuff like that, but more like more broadly like how do you bring your sort of um your own experiences your mental health experiences into the work that you do of course um thank you for watching by the way Noah. that that be kind video it's insane because it it did a lot better that that's like my own expectation of myself of course yeah. i didn't expect it to do as well as it did mm. um even with the, the the sort of intent of the message of literally be kind you've when you put something like that, you almost expect people to to play with it because it's a positive video. Yeah. But I still had doubt. That's just me, of course. Yeah. And um, the thought the, the thought process behind that one was literally, it's insane because I put that together before any of this pandemic happened, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I I had no one. I had no idea what was going to happen. I just literally thought I want to put something together to bring people to. Um, unison in unison so to speak mm -hmm. and what is what is the simple message that can bring people together and it is literally be kind yeah and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna go with this because i asked a few people i said what's the one character what's the one trait so to speak that you would want people to treat you with and they said kindness yeah and i said well yes because it's a natural trait that we all have yeah um just some people nurture it a little bit more than others mm -hmm. so i wanted to make it also seeing from my own eyes yeah so the journey in, when you watch that particular video you see my own journey you see the sort of juxtaposition of colors black and white light here um that is to represent my own story of going on a path where i have faced times of darkness i faced times of light but along the way i've always had support there yeah. whether it's through the people all through myself and I think there is a, I think you should always be honest I should I always think you should speak truth um I in the um, what you see visually is me trying to speak yeah. it's me trying to tell the world that you know it is okay it's okay yeah. to not be okay 
There are times where you're going to question things. You're going to not understand what you're not going to be able to process what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. But there will be times where you can process what's going on. And you don't have to have fear. I think yeah. if you if you allow fear to manifest, I, I make I'm, I'm I'm trying not to make it sound like so easy, so to speak. But if you allow it to manifest in a negative way, it will burn you. Yeah. If you allow fear to manifest where you're trying to accept what it is and allow it to sort of blow away, so to speak, yeah, that will disappear. It, it may come back, but you can have control of it. You yeah. can have control of, you can like grab the bull by the horns and say, do you know what? This is what's happening, but that's fine. That's, that's okay. Like I've, I've, I've come aware already. I think it was, um, pain is inevitable, but suffer. No. Pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Yeah. Yeah. So some may argue that not the case because of their life circumstances, which I completely appreciate. Mm. And I, but I, from my own experience, I believe that became a life mantra because I was just at one point suffering and suffering and I've, and I've got it confused with pain. I thought, am I just in pain constantly? What's going on? Yeah. And when I eventually did everything I needed to do, I found I was, I was suffering. And I took it away as best in my own time for however long it took. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I'm in a position now where not to say I don't have, you know, I don't have times where I'm still in that space I, I was before, yeah. but I'm a lot more in control now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just aware we were coming up to time. So we've, we've, we've been talking for a while now. So um, thank you very much for speaking to us. Um, we'll drop the we'll drop all the details for your for your walk um, on the, on the uh, show notes uh, a little bit later on. Um, Aaron, thank you very much. It's, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you very much, Jess. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to donate to Sick Forgiveness, you can donate at ko-fi.com forward slash Sick Forgiveness for three pounds. Please do share the link and donate if you can. All funds raised go back towards sick forgiveness projects.